0: You are tuning into the True North Church Podcast. Our prayer is that you would be inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more information about True North Church, please visit us online at truenorthak.org.
1: Well, good evening, everyone. Glad that you came out, and uh, we're just going to try to get right into it. Um, And I wanted to share for a few moments that uh, at the end when you leave, my wife will be by the door. She's going to hand out some of just our cards, just mostly as... Is, is that you take that and put it in the most prominent place whether it's in the on the table with all your bills or like on the in the mirror so you'd see it and then you'd remember to pray for us our prayer is much like Paul's that you'd pray that God would open doors for us and yeah. there's a QR code you can sign up for our newsletter we send out teachings every so often and things that we're up to and, and different parts of our ministry here's what I want to talk about this week a little bit is I like to share this part of it because uh, tonight and in the nights following you're going to hear some Maybe even if you are with us yesterday morning, you're going to hear some things that maybe you're not accustomed to, ways to look at the scripture that maybe you've never heard before. And I like to share it this way. How many of you, now this won't always work up in Alaska and maybe you really like all the snow and the cold and all that, but how many of you enjoy uh, sandy beaches and it's nice and sunny and it's warm? Okay, so I like to use a beach analogy when I talk, (laughs) all of a sudden, yeah, amen, let's get it there right now, right? Uh, That's where we're heading next, we're suffering in Hawaii next, no, I'm just kidding, we're not, not even close, only if I could wish to do that, but uh, one of the things that we like to say about our ministry is simply this, what we like to do is we like somebody to view their favorite beach, maybe there's a certain beach that you really like, it just has the right facing, the, the wind, you know, it's got a perfect breeze, the sand is perfect, everything's great, and there's nobody ever there. Right. Everybody's like, yeah, that's exactly right. I just need to decompress, right? And you've been going to that beach, you love that beach, everything about it is great. So what me and my wife like to share is simply what we're going to do is we want to show that your beach is that much greater. How are we gonna do that? What we're gonna do is we're gonna hand you a pair of goggles and uh, like a, a snorkel, a mask and a snorkel, and we're gonna show you a world that goes below yes. of what you've been encountering before. That's so good a little deeper. So we're not going to tell you that your beach is wrong. Your beach is great. But we want to show you a world, maybe, that you hadn't seen that's below the surface that's going to give you, give you a deeper appreciation for the beach that you've been enjoying. And there is no way I'm going to ever leave this beach now. And so that's what our hope is. Is So we're going to take you under the surface, look at some things a little differently. As we do that, let's go to Luke chapter 24. And uh, we're going to start the story tonight there, and then we're just going to build from there. So Luke chapter 24, if you'd go there. And most of you know this story. This actually is the basis of some of our ministry. Uh, uh, Our ministry is called Dust of Emmaus. We just want to pick up a little dust of the story uh, of what happened on the Emmaus road. And many of you know that, that it comes from Luke 24. If you remember, uh, Jesus has, has resurrected and there's been some things going on and people are wondering what's happening. I don't get it. It's kind of confusing. And there's a couple guys kind of walking away. If you've ever been to Israel, if you go from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv, part of the Emmaus road is actually what you drive on. And they're actually walking away from the event. They themselves haven't seen Jesus raised from the dead. They just know they've heard some things and they're kind of disillusioned. And you know, the story Jesus kind of what I always see it is Jesus puts his arm around him and goes, Hey guys, what's up? And uh, they're like, Haven't you heard? You know, what, where have you been? And, and they describe the whole story, and then he begins to do some things. What I love about this story, isn't it funny? Jesus has been dead for a few days, right? I don't mean to be like, but he's been dead for a few days. And don't you think he's got some things to do? right? I mean, he just came out of the grave. He's been dead. You know, have you ever been away from the office for a few days and all of a sudden there's paperwork there? You don't even know where it came from. Jesus rises from the dead. And the first thing he does is goes, Hey, there's a couple guys walking away. I'm going to go visit with them. is Not that a wonderful thing about Jesus goes and finds these guys that are a little disillusioned walking the wrong way and comes and shares his heart with them to get them back on track. Isn't that a cool story? Yeah. I love that about Jesus. And so uh, we're going to pick up a little bit of when he begins to tell them about what's been going on because he kind of messes with them a little bit. What? what? what What's happening? Tell me about this. You know, and so uh, let's look at uh, verse 25 and uh, through 27. Uh, and here's at the end of verse 24, or in 24, it just simply says this, certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it. Even so the women had said... Him they did not see. Then he said to them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Shouldn't Christ have suffered these things and enter into his glory? So he just shares and says, Don't you know these things should have happened? And then listen to what he says next. I love this part of it in verse 27. It says, In the beginning of Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So here's what he did. He said, you guys have been a little disillusioned, but you haven't believed the stories. The stories you've heard from your childhood, you haven't even believed. And so he takes this moment and says, do you not know that all these things that you've been disillusioned by is the very stories you've been reading forever? He says, you've not believed them. And so what's he say? He says, he takes them, puts his arm around them and takes them to Moses and the prophets. Now, Back in the day of Jesus, they didn't have names for all the books like we have them today. They would have been in multiple scrolls and they would have been just Moses and the prophets were the scrolls. So oftentimes scriptures were related to as Moses and the prophets. Could you imagine? I would love that opportunity just to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear him say, here's where I was and here's this story about me. Did you not know that this was telling a story about what was about ready to happen? I mean, what a story. Oh, if only we could have been there. But there, he's actually talking to these guys that knew these passages, knew what they had to say, and formed a picture of what was to come. But he said, you didn't even believe them." And so I think it's interesting how he goes to there and begins to point there. And so what we want to do tonight is maybe look at a few of those stories. Now, first thing I want to say, and this is not rocket science. Some of this stuff you'll know, but maybe just have never thought it out. Moses and the prophets and some of what was called the writings, which we'll deal with later in the week, that's all they had, right? So when the New Testament, or Jesus himself, says this is the scriptures, or when you read in the New Testament scriptures, all they had was what we call now the Old Testament, right? So when Paul is talking about scripture, or when Jesus is talking about scripture, what is he talking about? The Old Testament. Now, you're going to hear me say this a lot, uh, a lot of the importance of the Old Testament. Why do I do that? Because what we find when we uh, go across many churches across America, especially what we find is that there's little time spent there. It isn't as important as maybe it was then. So I want to show you a few of these and then back that up a little bit. Let's go to 2 Timothy. I'm just going to have somebody read this for me, if you would. Uh, who, who would want to read out loud tonight voluntarily? All right, pastor's going to do it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 through 17.
0: And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation
1: through the faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, did you just hear what happened? Did Paul's telling his disciple, Timothy, that all Scripture, which Scripture is he talking about? All, all Scripture, but what did they have? Old Testament. Old Testament. This Old Testament is good for all these things. Isn't that incredible? The, the, the disciples that turned the world upside down, all they had was the Old Testament and the revelation that Christ was there. And so sometimes we miss the importance of that because we don't even recognize. We go, well, it's just the Old Testament. How many of you felt that way sometimes? And how many of you go, it's really tough to read? Yeah, Yeah, well, it really is. This week we hope to unlock some things to give you a deeper appreciation for that. How about, uh, we won't go there, but write it down. Acts chapter 17 uh, deals with a very famous part of the passage in verse 11. uh, Paul is kind of pushed out of Thessaloniki. Uh, he, there's some persecution happening. He goes to the city of Berea. Now, he begins to go into the synagogue, which would be natural for him to do, and he begins to teach in the synagogue. What do those people, Bereans, do when he preaches? Search the scriptures. What is it? Search the scriptures. And to what do they search the scriptures for? The All right, gold star, back row. <laughs> So what what were they searching to see if Paul was preaching the right things about Jesus? Old Testament. So Jesus so Paul's coming and preaching about this resurrection. Jesus is the promised one. And where do they go to see if his preaching lines up to the Old Testament? That's all they had. And so is Paul true? Well, yes. It's true because it's found there. Let's look at what Jesus has to say about that. Go with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, in verse 38. I won't spend a lot of time on these because I want to go there and see some of these things, but I want to build up where we're going and why it's important. It says this in John chapter 5, he uh, is talking to some of the group around them, maybe some of what we would call the Pharisees, some religious folks of the day. Uh, It just says this, you do not have the word abiding in you. This is uh, John chapter 5, verse 38. You don't have the word in you, in whom you've sent, and you do not believe him. It says this, search the scriptures, you search the scriptures, and in them you think you have eternal life, but they are the ones that testify of me. What just happened? He's saying you're going to these scriptures and you're trying to get it just right and you're trying to search them for maybe a way to make a path back to God, but those things are the things that spoke of me. All the scriptures were written pointing to me And and look at, then jump down with me. Look at what he challenges them with down in verse 46. It says, for you have believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Now, I want to just break that down. Go with me for a second. Don't throw any of your pens at me. I found that they hurt. Actually, it tells me, if I'm challenged in this moment, that if I understand Moses better, I'll understand the words of Jesus better. And I think that that's a switch for us oftentimes, and, and, and I want to be careful because a lot of times that's what we've been taught. What do we tell new believers to do? We often tell them, jump into a, a gospel, jump into the book of Acts. But wait a second. Jesus and, and the good news and his story starts in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And that builds a foundation for him and his words to come alive. His words are going to become more alive when you see the very basis of where they start and how he is connected to that, it's going to make more sense. How many of you want to understand the words of Jesus' strong, Our Messiah, the one that gave his life, the ruler and king of all the world. How many of you want to understand his words better? Yeah. Jesus just gave us an indication. He says simply this. Believe the words of Moses, understand the words of Moses, and my sayings were going to make more sense. Right. You don't believe them, there's no way you can believe mine. That's good. That's pretty powerful. Did you know 60 to 70% of your whole Bible is the Old Testament? That's right. And I find that we don't spend 60 to 70% of our time there. Wow. That's right. And I think it's good to look at that and, and question that uh, uh, and, and think a little bit about that. Now, in the Eastern culture, which this was written, know this that all the stories, all the scriptures of the Old Testament, they view all those as prophetic. See, in a Western world, we think very more linear, and and he fulfilled this particular passage. Some of you in your Bible probably have a a page in your Bible that says, Jesus was born here, and here's the Scriptures. That's a very Western Greek style of thinking. Here's the Scripture, here's how he fulfilled it, and I I check that off. In the Jewish mind, the, the, the voice of the Scripture, the ancient world believed that these writings were all prophetic, And I wasn't going to just check off a scripture, but rather the stories were building a picture of something to come. And so that's how they viewed it. That's why Jesus said, hey, you know what? Uh, What's about ready to happen to me is like Jonah uh, and the whale. Well, what was he saying? What did he describe was uh, coinciding with Jonah and the whale? The resurrection, the three days. And so now, so they saw Jonah. Jesus just did something for us to understand the culture better. He put together Jonah as, and the whale as a prophetic way to look at what was going to happen in the future. It's real stories, but it was also painting a picture of what was going to happen in Christ. Jesus said it. These stories are pointing to me. And so that's how they began to view it. Listen to what uh, 1 Corinthians, you can write this down, I'll we'll, just have a, I'll read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 3 and 4 says, I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. What Scriptures? The Old Testament. Now, I want you to note something. And you can go research this and come back tomorrow night and we'll, we'll have a, a, a discussion about it. But go and tell me, and maybe you even know tonight, go and tell me where it says in the Old Testament that he would be in the grave for three days and three nights. Can you find? Now, in our Western world, we want to find one scripture. Now, is it there? Now, it's, Paul said it, right? How many of you just read that and go check? But how many of you have ever thought, well, wait a second, what scripture tells me that he's going to be in the grave for three days? Where does it say Jesus is going to be in the grave, died, buried, and in the grave for three days? Where? It doesn't doesn't say it. You won't find one scripture. You won't find anything that's quotable that says that. You know how? Paul is able to say according to the scripture because he began to see the stories that were there, stories that related to three days. We're going to get there maybe tonight. Stories that would relate to the idea that something was going to happen in this three day segment. It wasn't a place that actually said that he was going to die, be buried in the grave for three days and raised from the dead. They put the stories together because Paul had to go away and began to, his mind was blown on the idea that all of a sudden everything Jesus did connected. himself to the Old Testament. And those stories began to come alive knowing he was the promised one. And so it wasn't one story. It wasn't one scripture. That's our Western thinking. But this wasn't written with a Western mind in mind. And so this week, what we're going to do is we'll never become Eastern. That's not what God would want. He loves the Western and the Eastern. But to begin to ask different questions, help us to maybe see some things a little differently and to begin to look at that time period. Remember, Jesus, he was Jewish. How many of you (laughs) believe that? right? He's, yeah, well, I say that, and sometimes people are like, oh, well, yeah, I think, where was he? You know, and, and so he's Jewish, and how many of you know all of his disciples were Jewish? His audience was Jewish. He was born, raised, brought up in traditions that were Jewish. Guess what? He's going to speak like a Jew. Yes. He's going to speak in his culture. If we went back 2,000 years, and we were sitting, because you got a great beard, yeah, I mean, so I'm thinking of the culture back then. Good beard, brother. Um, And we'd sit down 2,000 years ago, we'd be talking, let's go have a cup of joe. What would they say? What are you talking about, right? But the scriptures, especially of the New Testament, is chock full of culture and statements and idioms and sayings. And if we'll take a moment to look at them, that's gonna connect this story together. And that's my heart for you. I wanna show you some of the intricacies of the scripture that you'll appreciate God's gift to mankind, his love letter that's been given to his word. Like I said, when there's an appreciation for this word and you go on a discovery, your devotional life is gonna look different. I said it yesterday morning that uh, somebody that goes to like a, a symphony that is a musician loves every second of the symphony. They're in. They're like, did you see that? And what was going on there? And somebody that's not into music is like, oh yeah, it sounds good. You know, right? I said it yesterday morning. Those that really are into football, maybe played football, they're in. They're throwing snacks. I can't believe that ref. And what's this? And what's that? And somebody that doesn't know anything about it's like, I'm bored. Right? But why are they so in? Like I told yesterday, I, I was a race car driver for a while. So I'm like, yeah, going in circles is awesome, you know. <laughs> Some are like you're going around and around and around. But I know the intricacies of the race car. I know how to adjust it. I know what it takes to, to, to do all those things. And so I'm in, you know. And that's what I want for you in the Bible. I don't want it to be something you're just checking off. I don't want it to be just a devotional book. It's life. <laughs> it's life and it tells a wonderful narrative of the love of God for his people and if we see the intricacies I'm not just going because it's a devotion I'm not just trying to get a word for the day I'm going to it because there's an appreciation yeah. that this was written by the hand of God this is almighty yeah. God's story and he's a good writer yeah. I want you to be the football fan the guy that loves the symphony, symphony and racing Yeah, everyone should love racing Amen. Turn. <laughs> Who would also like to voluntarily read out loud tonight? You get to go to service at seven. Okay, <laughs> yeah. right here. Uh, Colossians chapter two, if you would. Colossians chapter two, and if you'd read verses 16 and 17. Nice and loud. No, Col- uh, d- d- uh, sorry, Colossians chapter 2.
0: Oh,
1: sorry, well, I went to Oh, okay, Colossians. <laughs> Philip, just uh, Philip, Col- <laughs> It's close. It's close, <laughs> it's close brother. <laughs> <laughs> Colossians chapter 2, right. 16 and 17. 16
0: and 17. All, right, got it. All right, um So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, and for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself
1: is that reality. Ah, did you catch what Paul's writing to the church at Colossae? He says the Sabbaths and the festivals, the way you eat, everything done there. Don't let anybody judge you because of what Christ has yeah. done. But the fact is, everything that you're doing, he's actually writing to the church and saying, you're still doing these traditions. That's another subject. We won't get to that tonight. But he says, you know of these things and you know that they're shadows. But the fullness of it and the reality that it was pointing to is Christ. So all these things that you're doing from the Old Testament, all the things that was the narrative from there, all the things that you are worshiping, that you're honoring the Lord in and and celebrating the feasts and the times that He called you to do, He says they were building a shadow. And how many of you know the shadow only gives you a partial resemblance? Doesn't give you the fullness of it, but it starts to paint a little bit of a picture of what to expect. And and he is saying those things of the Old Testament were that. The way you celebrated was teaching you to be looking for the one coming because he was there. He's the one casting the shadow. That means the way you were eating, the way you were celebrating, everything from there in the Old Testament. You guys can come in. Oh, we'll get. We got it. We oh, we got five right here. Yeah, come on in. Yeah, please come in. We've got plenty of room up here and there. And thank you for coming. So, in that, he's saying, "Okay, these all represented him. The one that was casting the shadow is Jesus Himself." So then, therefore. I want to know about those things to connect the whole story. Here's what we always say. How many of you know a, a good lullaby? And what is a lullaby for? Put you to sleep. It's to put you to sleep, right? You read it to your kids. Why do they go to sleep? Because they know the story, right? They start. They just know the story, and they, they go to sleep. But guess what happens? As soon as I change the red fox to a blue fox, what happens? What? what? <laughs> Dad, you're wrong, Right? Here's why it's important to tie the scriptures together and connect the dots and make one big story. It is this. As soon as the enemy tries to put something in the story that's not there, that's interconnected, and you know those connections very well, you are going to look at the enemy and say, no, I'm not going to be deceived. That doesn't fit the narrative that I know. Why is it important to understand the Old Testament and its connection to the New Testament? Because it's one constant story, one developing the story of God and the story of man and his redemptive power. And all of a sudden, when I can connect Genesis 1-1 to the life of Jesus, and all of a sudden I can... To connect uh, David and Goliath to the life of Christ, and I see the connections and they're there. All of a sudden, when you start to tell me something about God that isn't true, try to put the red fox as a blue fox or whatever it is, devil, no way. And how many of you want that kind of faith, that kind of uh, stand and understand the Word? And that's why we want to look at it and, and, and be able to uh, look at those. So these next few days together, that's one of those long intros like uh, uh, Fiddler on the Roof where the, inter- you know, the, the, the actual storyline, the title of the movie comes in in about 30 minutes and you're like, how long is this movie going to be, right? Well, pastor said I have until 7.30 tonight, so we're good to go, right? So tonight we're gonna to talk about seeing shadows. We're gonna to go to the Old Testament and find some shadows there, find some of these stories. Now, the Old Testament is chock full of them, so we won't have time tonight. And I always talk faster, and every time I'm done, my wife goes, "You yeah, were talking too fast. And sometimes you get way too loud, right? So, so tonight we're gonna to talk about seeing shadows. We're gonna go back into the Old Testament and find them tomorrow night, we're going to talk about out of the shadows. We're going to go to the New Testament and connect those stories and see Jesus come out of the shadows and how he connects himself to the shadows of the Old Testament. And he does that to give the deeper teachings and also say he was the promised one. It's really cool. You're going to see words in the New Testament just come alive because it's like, whoa, I didn't even know he was saying that. And then finally, the third night, Wednesday night, we're going to talk about catching shadows. How do I tie these? How do I find them? How do I ask the right questions so I begin? to do this myself because, ladies and gentlemen, it's about equipping the body of Christ. And it's about finding those things for yourself. I don't want to do all that. I just want to give you a taste these next few days so that you'll dig into the Word of God and become a lover of the Word of God like never before. And so let's go back there now. We're going to see him, see him kind of come alive there. And we're going to see that, you know, the only reason we can see that they were shadows is because we know the one that stepped out of the shadows. We can't just find these automatically and we should just know them. We're just going to, oh, we're going to see his life and go, wait a second, I catch glimpses in this story. So we're going to look at a few of those. Let's go to Genesis in chapter 2. Genesis in chapter 2 and... and, uh, and actually to finish it off, Wednesday night at the main service, uh, Wednesday night, we're going to be looking actually at the creation story with a brand new lens. We're going to look at the creation story as the declaration of the goodness of God. And how many of you know sometimes Christianity starts with sin as the good news? The Bible actually starts the good news with the creation and almighty God and his goodness. Isn't that, isn't that true? Sometimes we look at sin and that brings us to the good news, but the Bible actually, the good news starts with Creator God and His goodness. And so we're going to look at that Wednesday night in our main service. And so uh, tonight, uh, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, it says, It is not good for man to be alone, and all the women said, Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I will make him a helpmeet for him. And all the women said, Amen. no, no, no. He, no, that's not what you're supposed to say. You're supposed to say he needs it. Amen. That's right. Amen. Amen. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, brought them to Adam to see what we call them and whatsoever called the Adam called the living creatures. That was their name. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, the fowl of the air and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there's not found a help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. He slept and took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made a woman and brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now the bone of my bones and the flesh of my flesh. And she she shall be called woman because she's been taken out of the man." One of the things that we know even in the New Testament that Jesus is considered, some say the second Adam, but really uh, the the real interpretation should be the last Adam. And so we know already that there's this uh, reflection, this shadow that we should see in Adam himself. And like I said, we could take a lot of time on all these stories, but I just simply want to uh, look at Adam's life. One of the quick things is simply this is here is Adam as this created being a, a, and created by God, perfect in his nature. Now, if we break down his his name, we know that it means red man or of the earth. But if you break it down even further, there's something that really happens in that uh, story because you have the Aleph and the Dom. Aleph, Dom is is his name, actually, Um, and it starts with an Aleph. Uh, That's the very first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Anytime you saw the Aleph, especially in the ancient culture, it was always meant to represent God because he's the beginning. He's strength, and so you have this beginning of this is God, and then, then you have the rest of it is the word Dom, and Dom simply means blood or red. So right away you have this reference that in Adam is God's blood. And it's interesting now, the one that's going to become the second Adam or the last Adam is going to pour his blood out. But look at what happens to Adam. There's some things that happens with the animals and all the things going on there. But what's really cool about this story is is that God puts him into a deep sleep. Now in scripture, we know it defines itself and deep sleep actually represented death itself. It, was a, it wasn't just sleep, but it was this induced sleep that you couldn't come out of by yourself. So it represented death in the scriptures. And so this God's blood man all of a sudden was put into a state of death by God himself. And then ultimately God then took something from him, uh, from his side. Actually, uh, the, the Hebrew word actually means like a compartment or a side of him. And then develops this woman, and then out of this deep sleep, he comes up alive and has a bride.
0: <laughs> I like
1: a resurrection. Ah, yes! <laughs> right? So this God man <laughs> goes into a deep sleep death. Something comes from him that produces a bride, and he comes alive again, and there is his bride. How many of you know Jesus Christ was put to death and resurrected again? And because of what he gave, the blood that he gave, purchased a bride. And when he rose from the dead, he had purchased a bride for himself. Do you see how there's shadows? that there, the, And actually, we could start in Genesis 1.1, but... Uh, because we're going all the way through. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We need to speed it up, but you'll note that just even in this spot, I'm not just seeing something that is going away, like, okay, how many of you just kind of read past that and go, yeah, he named some animals, and, and then his bride's there. But then when you're looking for it, you realize, well, wait a second, this sounds a lot of what I've heard before. And I think that that's interesting. Look at this next passage. We won't read all of it, but write it down. Uh, Chapter 4 of Cain and Abel. You know the story. How many of you know the the Bible says that what happened to Abel's blood? Remember, It cried out, right? What was it crying out to God? Well, if you remember, this will be the first recorded death in the Scriptures. First recorded death in the Scriptures. So what is it after, after they had fallen? This is the first death in the Scriptures. So what is it crying out? Death, right? This curse, this idea that something's changed mankind and you just murdered this guy. And so now think about this story for a second. Cain and Abel are what? Brothers. They're brothers, right? And Cain, Cain is, what's his profession? He's a tiller of the ground. He, he works the produce. He's a worker of the ground. But then does anybody know what Abel's uh, uh, work is? What is it? What? He's a what? Oh, okay, so he's a shepherd. So their brothers, one's a worker of the field, the other's a shepherd. They bring their offering to God. One is accepted, the other is not. And as you know, Cain raises up and kills his brother. The brother of the shepherd, out of religious jealousy, slaughters Abel and his blood cries out. Slaughters a shepherd. Does that sound familiar to you? Yeah, so out of the brothers, how many of you know that uh, Jesus' own brothers ultimately put him to death? And then the New Testament tells us that Cain's blood said, or Abel's blood says this, but Jesus' blood says this much more. Now do you understand why the writer put it that way? Because he said, hey, out of religious jealousy and the way you're worshiping God, these brothers uh, combated each other and one killed the shepherd. He died and his blood said curse. And all of a sudden, the brothers of Jesus himself, out of religious jealousy and the hatred for who he was, didn't agree with him, puts him to death, but his blood shares a greater thing and that is what? Life from the dead! (laughs) So the writer is actually doing what we're talking about. He saw the pattern there, that there was something that all of a sudden we call Jesus the great shepherd. Shepherd, Because that's what the scriptures tell us. And so here we find that the shepherd is killed. His blood cries out one thing, but it was looking for one to take care of that. So let's go continue now. Let's go uh, to the book of, uh, later in the book of Genesis in chapter 22, Wearing a sweater was a great idea, Holly. I'm just kidding. She didn't tell me to do that. I'm sweating. Genesis chapter 22. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to uh, actually. Uh, who would like to read this out loud voluntarily? Okay. Who's that? Oh, all right. Uh, Genesis chapter one, and we're to, or chapter 22, one through 14. What I want you to do is read that nice. Would you stand up? Would that be all right? And here's what I want you to do. Now, I won't ask all these questions because time doesn't permit it. But I want you to close your eyes. Remember, back in the first century especially, you would only go and hear the Word of God. You didn't get an app. You had to go to synagogue and temple to hear it read. Auditorial. You weren't carrying scrolls around with you every day, right? And so you would begin to memorize these things and you would listen And so what I want you to do is if the shadows are real and it's something that Jesus is found in those things, I want you to now listen for words that sound familiar to you from a story that you already know. Remember, somebody stepped out of the shadow. Is there something telling us about the one that's going to step out of the shadow in this story? And we're going to put some of those together in a moment, but I want you to see if you'll catch them and I'll say a few. And if I miss some, you'll mention the others. Does that sound like a plan? So what I want you to do is close your eyes And I just want you to hear the word of God tonight, and I want you to look and listen closely and see if there's anything that sounds familiar, if we're looking for shadows. So go ahead, brother.
0: You said 1 through 14? Yeah. Uh, Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering. One of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day Abraham raised his eyes and saw a place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there. And we will worship and return." So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am.
1: Let's stop right there. Um, Thank you, brother. Appreciate the reading. Um, So did you guys catch some things? And how many of you caught things that you'd never caught before? So let's talk about a few of those things, and then if I miss some, you can fill those in. Let me ask you this. Actually, remember, I I said this yesterday, I think, that, remember, the the scriptures were written for not a transfer of knowledge, but rather a place of discovery. And so maybe tonight you discovered some things, so let me ask, maybe what are some of those things that you saw uh, that were a shadow? What? Yeah, hey, pastor... Yeah, did you hear that one? There's a donkey. Isn't that interesting? That a donkey is used to get everything there. That has to be a reference point. Why would it be there? Details of the scripture are not, write this down, details of the scripture are not written for no reason. All the details are important. Anything else? What is it? His only son. Well, wait a second. Isn't that? And tomorrow night, we're going to connect that even deeper. So, all of a sudden he says his only son. So, somebody else? It was three days. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that all of a sudden, there's a three-day reference? Now, what is that? By the, When he left, it took three days. Everything that's about ready to expire from the moment he left until Isaac gets up off of the altar is a three-day period. From the time God had told him to go. From the very moment that Abraham stepped out of his tent with Isaac, there is a death edict over, essentially, Isaac is dead. But what happens after three days? He comes up alive. Come on, yeah, right? So we're already seeing something happening. Three days, uh, his only son, his son he loves, the donkey. Two Two other men. Did you catch it? The servants, there's two other people. Why would they tell us that there's two? And then we find what, how does that reference something that happens to Jesus? Two men, on the cross. two men on the cross. So what is God trying to do? He's trying to set you up. He's trying to give you that shadow to get you ready. And then all of a sudden, there's these details given in the New Testament. He the wood. Ah. The wood, yes. <laughs> Did you notice that it wasn't the donkey that carried it or Abraham that carried it? It says that it was laid. Isn't that interesting? He carried, Isaac himself carried that which was going to execute him. I don't know about you, but I think there's a writer involved in this that knows what's happening. Right? (laughs) Well, what else? What else? Okay, (laughs) there's a whole bunch, yeah? His arms were bound and stretched out. Yep, his arms were bound. Exactly. It, uh, this is called, in, 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 the, in the literature, this will become what's called the achidah in, in, in Hebrew. This will be one of the most important parts, but that is the binding of, of Isaac. Akida Isaac is the binding of Isaac. So the achidah was so important, but what do we know? He gets stretched out and bound to the cross. Very, very good. Awesome. You guys are like on it. Uh, any others? Somebody else had something. Yes, there it is. God himself is going to provide. That all of a sudden, Isaac goes up and there's this substitution made and then Abraham seeing a day that's coming. He actually tells his servants, we will be back because God's going to provide something and that ultimately would happen. And then later in the story, in verse 14, you can look there later, he actually uh, says that this is Jehovah Jireh. In this place, God will be seen. God will provide. And did you know that Moriah just isn't like where you see the Dome of the Rock, Moriah is a mountain range, and where Jesus actually died is the same place, the same mountain range, where this happens. And so here's, get this story. So Jesus said it. Abraham saw my day and rejoice. Jesus says this to everyone. Abraham saw my day. When did he see it? When he said he saw far off the place. That word in Hebrew means he saw beyond the moment, and then he ultimately calls this place Jehovah Jireh. God will provide here in the coming days. Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. Isn't that interesting? Anybody else? Yes. Right, the lamb, the burnt offering, the, 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 the lamb that we'll ultimately know that one is going to lay down his life. It will be actually the lamb of God, and that will be the substitution for us. Also for That's right. Yeah, so good. So good. Yes. Living sacrifice. Living sacrifice uh, perfect. Also, a sacrifice that if you'll note that uh, Isaac actually goes on his own will. He's not forced to go. Actually, many believe he was about the age of 37 at this stage. Now, there isn't real defining points of how old, but we know he's not a young child like some of the pictures have. We ultimately think he's about 37 when this is going on. So he is willingly going. How many of you know Jesus willingly went at his Father's will to die on that cross? Anybody else? The angel of the Lord
0: called
1: out and Jesus cried out. Yeah, exactly. Great one. Yes. Here's a couple others. Both Isaac and Jesus, supernatural births. Supernatural births. Remember, uh, mama couldn't have a child and there was a supernatural birth. Here's another one that I think is interesting. In Genesis 17, 19, it says this, Sarah shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. Isaac. Listen to what Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 says. Mary, this is by the angel, you shall bring forth the Son, and you'll call His name Jesus. Did you hear the, the exact same verbiage? These two are the two that are named by God Himself. Isn't that interesting? Isaac comes willingly. We have the third day. Eric car- Isaac carries the wood. He's bound. There's supernatural provision on Mount Moriah. Uh, Abraham saw a day coming. Also, what's here that I don't want you to miss is Isaac actually, and you can go back and look at this because we won't have a lot of time. I want to hit one more. But Isaac actually disappears off the page. There's sometimes you have to look at what's not there. Did you know right after this event that Isaac disappears off the page? We don't see him go back with, with, with uh, Abraham. He's not there when his mom is dying. He, he's not anywhere. Well, wait a second. What happens? Do you know that? Does anybody know the next time we see Isaac show up? This is really cool. What? Two stars tonight, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Front roll of the service tonight. And, uh, but yeah, you're exactly right. What happens? Isaac disappears for a moment, and the next time you'll see him is when his bride is there. How many of you know that's Jesus? Jesus. He disappears for a time, he raises back out of the grave, and he has a bride. Sometimes you have to look for what's not on the pages, because remember, the writer is trying to lure you into the story, to go look deeper, because remember, it's not all explained for a reason. Why? Because you're meant to discover. So, we're going to continue, there's a few other things that i like to say about that. The Joseph story, we're going to do some quick references, Uh, tonight, the Joseph story. This takes up chapter 37 through 50. How many of you know there's more words on this character in the Old Testament than any other character of the Old Testament? Joseph is one of the turning points in the Old Testament, an incredible story, but I want to hit a few of these because I only have 45 minutes left. And so (laughs) we won't read the story, but I encourage you to go back to them, but I want to give you a few of Joseph being a shadow of one to come. Is that okay? Yes, As a type of yeah, and we'll get to that in a moment, um, that he was a type. I want you to note something, that Rachel uh, uh, was uh, barren, that it was, again, a supernatural uh, birth for uh, Joseph. Uh, again, he's talked about being the beloved of the father. Why is Joseph beloved of the father? Well, how do we know that? Because of the coat. He's got the little pretty coat. How many of you know when you have that pretty coat, you must be favored of the father? So here's something. There's a supernatural birth. He's favored of his father, essentially becomes the firstborn, even though he's not the firstborn. It's a whole other side story. How many of you know Joseph was what? He was a shepherd. I'm going to go through these. I'm going to let you write them down because I see you uh, th- those writing notes. The next one is simply this. His brothers hated him and were envious of him. Essentially, they had conspiracy to kill. How many of you know the same conspiracy began to happen yes. in Jesus' time? They began to work on ways to take him out and to kill him. And how many of you know a lot of that came from his own brother's hands? Not his lineage, uh, not his actual brothers, even though they didn't believe early on, but the brothers of the Jewish people at the time. Uh, conspiracy. Then he was sold. sold for 20. He was sold for, for money, a price over his head. How many of you know there was a price given for Jesus? He disappears at this time. Remember, he goes on into Egypt, which is kind of interesting. How many of you know that's where Jesus also went? He went to Egypt. He becomes a slave. I have one, don't miss this one. His status from, His status changes from the lineage of his father to a servant. From the time he starts that journey, his status changes. So that's important. How many of you know he was tempted to sin? But but he was without sin. Did you know the story of Joseph? There is no sin recorded that Joseph ever does. He was tempted to sin, but he's found of no sin. Nothing recorded in the pages that do that. Now, I think he was a little cocky as a child. (laughs) Yeah, let me tell you a little something about a dream I had, you know. So maybe there was something there, but he's tempted, but found with no sin. Also, uh, what's interesting, how many criminals are with him in? Two. What? How many? Two. It, uh, right, they were in with him. Two criminals uh, found to be full of crime, and 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 they're in there. And do you know how many days after, like, this dream happened, and, and Joseph interprets a dream. How many times, when, when do they come out of that pit? How many? So three days, what's, that's kind of interesting. And what happens to one of them? One dies, and one, one lives. How many of you know, if, the, if you remember the story of the, those that were on the cross with Jesus, one Dies, and the other accepted into life. I don't know about you, but that sounds like it's painting a picture. Three days, two there, one dies, one one ultimately to life. Pretty incredible. Raised second to position. Yep. At, the age of At the age of 30. Are you guys writing that down? Just making sure you're seeing that. He gave bread to save his people. How many of you know he gave bread to save the nations? How many of you know Jesus came as the bread of life? And this bread is going to save life. And what I love about this is, is that he saves not only a Gentile nation with the bread, but Joseph saves his own brothers with the bread. Also, his brothers did not recognize him on their first visit. He did not reveal himself to them on the first visit. That sounds familiar. Also, he was revealed to be the Savior or Joseph during a supper. Now, I think it's interesting that Jesus, during their Passover meal, begins to reveal his very nature to his own brothers at a meal together. Also, I want you to note something that's important. Joseph is buried, right? Right? He dies in Egypt. What does he tell his brothers? What was it? Yeah, to take it to Israel, right? Because this is not our nation. Here's what Joseph is doing. Prophetically, I'm telling of you a land that's coming. You're not going to be here forever, but we're going back to the promised land. It sounds a little bit like Jesus' words, right? Joseph then is buried in Egypt and he says to his brothers, Don't forget me. When you leave this place, come and get me and take me and bury me in the, in the land of our fathers. You know what's interesting? In the land of the Gentiles, in the land somewhere else, there is a grave that no longer has Joseph in it. His grave is empty. I think it's kind of interesting that all of a sudden in the New Testament we find a guy by the name of Joseph of Arimathea that ultimately buries Jesus in his grave, and that Joseph grave is empty as well. I think that's kind of cool. So there's these things that are happening. I want you to note something that I, I, I don't want you to miss. There's many others, even in that story, many others in the Old Testament. How many of you think tonight that there may be more stories in the Old Testament that are shadows of Jesus than you ever realize, just by these few? Can I tell you that Jesus, uh, uh, Joseph came to power and began to essentially start saving the people at the age of 30? And there was another one that saved uh, the jewish people at the age of 32 does anybody know that don't go to jesus that's the sunday school answer how many of you know who is that jesus so, uh, you know okay so uh, anyway uh, there's another one in the old testament that saved their people at the age of 30 they rose to power at the age of 30. gideon samson he's the one of the greatest kings David. David raises as as king at the age of 30. We're told at the age of 30 that he raises to power. We have this Joseph that raises uh, to power at the age of 30. One comes to power as a servant, as through suffering. The other one comes through his lineage and raises as king. Both of them... Uh, saves their people. One is a conquering king, and one is a suffering servant. The rabbis then looked at the Old Testament and said, they're both 30. That must give us indication to tie these two together. So they began to say, these are pictures of the Messiah yet to come. So one of them was called Mashiach ben David, meaning the Messiah son of David. He'll be coming as a conquering king. Take out the our enemies. Yeah! You know, but the other one they saw also saved their people, but they suffered and went through some time, and they call him Mashiach ben Yosef, uh, the Messiah, son of Joseph, that would be a suffering. And they said, we don't know if there'll be two or there'll be one that does it. Let me let me all of a sudden go back with that thought. This is the teachings, even during Jesus' day, that they were taught that there may be two messiahs because remember, it's all prophetic. And all of a sudden, the age of 30 connects these two. But how many of you when did Jesus start his uh, time teaching? and his journey to the cross. Age of 30. 30. So that connects him to both of those stories. Now listen to John in prison with that idea. Are you the one? Or are we supposed to look for another? Doesn't that shed some light on what he was questioning? It wasn't so much that he questioned whether or not, like he was losing his faith. He was actually saying, Jesus because we were taught that there's possibly two and I see where we're at and it doesn't seem like you're conquering is there someone else coming or are you the Akkad in Hebrew we call it the Akkad the the one everything wrapped together and Jesus answers him and quotes scripture that John knew very well, that associated, the things that John act, or Jesus says to relay back to John actually is a quotations from the things that happened in the Davidic line that were promised with the king. So what did Jesus just tell John? You see me suffering, but you see the reigning that's coming, that it was only promised in the Davidic kingdom. I'm the it. I'm the one. I'm everything wrapped together. And if you won't be offended because I'm not coming to save you, hmm you'll find eternal life. Tonight, I want us to always remember as we look to the shadows, some people have asked, why is this important? It's important that I know. Here's what I want to tell you. It just tells me who he is and that he fulfilled it perfectly. You can't do that by accident. We look to these things because we want to see that he's truly the promised one. Why is that important? Those connections bind you closer and closer to the heart of God. Why is it important to look for them? Because you wanna know if he's writing it here, he fulfills it here, if he kept his appointment perfectly here. All those things, I wanna tell you, all those things are recorded. Leviticus chapter 23 tells of the feast and tells, him, tells us exactly when he's gonna show up When he's going to die. All the things are telling these stories. And if he can keep those appointments, if he does it that well, ladies and gentlemen, I think he's got our lives taken care of. If he can write it here centuries and centuries before, and he's creating this narrative that is all pointing to the one, and the one finally steps out of the shadow and he connects himself there, that writer has my life in his hands. And if he can make that all happen and he keeps his appointments just like he said, and He fulfills it just like it's spoken before. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we can trust Him with our todays and all our tomorrows. And that we can look at the Word of God and trust it for what it is. and, And trust His story and say, God, You wrote it that good. You are the author and the finisher of my faith. And I will not, I will not, I will not be moved. That's why we want to look. That's why we want to put it together. Because sometimes it doesn't feel like he's keeping his appointment. Sometimes it doesn't look like it's all coming together. But if I can look and see, wow, these things all came back together. They all were perfect. It's a beautiful story. Brother, he's writing a beautiful story for you. Right. That's right. You don't know what it says for your tomorrow. But the one that wrote this is writing yours. Yes, right. And if that's the case, we can trust him. Look at what happens to the guys at the road to Emmaus. What happened after this encounter where Jesus showed the shadows? What happened when all of a sudden they began to see the story unfold? Maybe they forgot. How many of you know sometimes our circumstances get us a little disillusioned and we kind of sometimes miss the point and sometimes we find ourselves walking away from Jerusalem, walking away from the event in which we should be gathering to? And how many of you know sometimes that happens in our life? We sometimes get disillusioned by the things going on in our life and we find ourselves walking the wrong way. But what happens to these guys? This encounter where Jesus ties himself to all those things, all of a sudden they go, you know what? Our hearts were burning inside of us. This truth connected. There's something that happened. And you know what they did? Some of you haven't put this part. Yeah. What did they do? They turned around and some of you have not been there in Israel in the middle of the night and that season. First of all, it's very cold. And secondly, during that culture, you didn't just go out at night for no reason whatsoever. It's six miles, ladies and gentlemen. When's the last time you walked six miles? And I want you to know from where they were at to Jerusalem Heights was all uphill. So let me tell you what they just did. In the middle of the night, in the cold of pretty much spring and winter, they walked uphill back to Jerusalem. Six miles to tell a story. They didn't care what happened. They didn't care if there was persecution. They didn't care if they didn't get the whole story. They just had an encounter with the Word of God and they realized He was the promised one. My heart for you tonight and this week is that you'll connect to Him like never before. See the Word like you've never been before. So whatever's going on, you'll turn around and say, you know, I got this fire and I've got to do something with it. I want to get it out to the world and I want to return that which I've given away. I want to get back what the enemy has stolen. I want to turn my heart back around. And those places where I've departed, maybe those places I've been disillusioned, I want to come back to Him. Father, that's what we desire from You. That's our yearning desire. And so, Lord, thank You for the revelation of Your Word, for the power of Your Word. And, Lord, we came together, Lord, tonight to seek seek You in this love letter, this place of discovery. And so, Lord, hide these nuggets deep in our heart And Lord, help us to keep going back for more. You've got more. This word is living. It's truth. It's power. And so Lord, as we go into this next service, pour out your power. Confirm your word with signs and wonders following. God, do mighty things tonight in the name and the power of Jesus our Messiah. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you.
0: What a fantastic service. Be sure to stay in touch by following us on social media so you can stay up to date with all that is happening at True North Church.